0: To the educated homebuyer live, uh, where our goal here is to help you buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership and financing. I am Jeb Smith, one of your hosts, and with me is Josh Lewis, our resident mortgage expert. Josh, thank you for being here. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, sir. Uh, we'll be very careful with using that expert term. I
1: just tried to help someone with some of their continuing education without having read any of it. And I got Ooh, a that's 70, illegal. I got a 75 percent. I didn't do it for them. I helped them. I that. think that's illegal. I didn't do it for them. I helped 75 uh, percent.
0: Passing was 80. So apparently <laughs> the expert term is now yeah, being, uh, is being removed. <laughs> Uh, but last week, uh, I was in a hotel room. Josh was gone. Uh, show did fairly well, uh, but we appreciate you guys being here, supporting us being back. So we're going to talk about a little bit of what's happened over the last week or so, and then we're going to dive into some of your questions. So you have questions? If you have questions about real estate, mortgage, uh, you want to troll us, whatever it is, throw them in the comments. We'll get to them. Uh, but today we've got you know CPI numbers inflation a little bit hotter than what was expected. Um, I think, you know, from what I read, we were supposed to go from somewhere around 8.5% to 8.1, came in at 8.3. The markets clearly did not like that uh, for many reasons. The stock market's getting hammered. And we've talked about this previously. We don't really talk about stocks on, on the channel very much, but a couple months back, we talked about historically what happens when the Fed starts raising the Fed funds rate. And one of the things that happens every single time they start raising the Fed funds rate is the stock market gets hammered. Um, and we're seeing that. Um, and and people seem surprised that that's happening or whatever. But in all reality, I think a lot of us that have been following this kind of expected that market to uh, to slow down. And it has. And with that, we've seen a little bit of slowing in housing, right? A lot of markets out there. While real estate is local, a lot of markets are are having similar markets at the moment. And what I mean by inventory is picking up a little bit, demand is falling down, is it? And it's falling or diminishing, if you will, because some buyers are getting priced out. Some buyers are saying, you know what, rates are too high. I'm not going to do this. Some are just tired of looking. A lot of different things going on, right, Josh? And and that's playing into fears of of craziness happening. And so we're going to address a lot of that tonight. But before we do that, I want to talk about inventory here locally every week. So inventory today, Orange County, 2,310 homes. So for you guys that have been following this over the last couple of months, you know that that number's more or less doubled from the beginning of the year. Each week, it continues to increase, not substantially, but each week, a little bit more homes here in Huntington Beach as of the show, 146 homes. So the highest number I've seen, but not a big increase week over week. So that's where we are, Josh. So why don't we dive into interest rates, talk a little bit about the Fed, the market, and um, and then help some uh, some some people become educated home buyers. Sounds like a good
1: plan. So a lot of volatility over the last week, um, but not a whole heck of a lot of of movement. Um, you you saw we had the the Fed announcement last Wednesday, the day of the show, um, markets kind of liked it. Um, Stock market rallied, bonds rallied, and the very next day they both tanked and gave it all back. Like if I showed you the chart, it was almost an equal and opposite uh, give back. So if we look here where we closed today, it's almost identical to where we were five days ago, go back 10 days ago. It's a little bit worse. Um, It's uh, it's not really relevant for us to talk about today, where are interest rates? Think about when we were doing the show a year ago. Interest rates are really important because people were thinking about refinancing. If you're refinancing, you know what my potential savings is. What does that look like? A buyer, the rate is going to be what it is when you get a property under contract. So we've been flat, relatively flat, to just continuing to inch worse here for the the last month or so. And we're probably likely to continue seeing that. Two weeks ago, Jeb, you, know, you and I talked that starting one more month from now, we should get a couple of, of soft readings. This month, I, I didn't think that they were quite expecting it yet. But I was seeing the same predictions that you were that we we're going to see a little bit of softening, if you can call down at 8.1% a softening of the inflation outlook. Um, but the reality is, it's going to come back strong later in the summer and, and with some hot prints. So we're really looking at October before we see that break. So the, the funny thing is, if you look, um, uh, this is kind of a hot topic, but I won't I won't talk about it too too far in depth. But a lot of what we saw during COVID is we would see um, numbers of positive tests going up, and local communities would say you have to wear masks. And about the same time, then you would see. The, the numbers drop, but it also coincided with the seasonality. Well, I feel a lot of, of what's going to happen here is the Fed's going to hike, the Fed's going to hike, the Fed's going to hike. And about the time that inflation would start receding naturally, everyone's going to conclude that the Fed was a bunch of geniuses and stepped in with timely hikes and broke the back of inflation and got things back on track. But it, it's going to be the fourth quarter of this year before we see inflation improve. And until we see-
0: even The Fed doesn't have it all together.
1: So someone had suggested or posted in the comments that they showed up here just to see me rant about how dumb the Fed is. The Fed was really dumb last year. Right now, I don't know. You would have to be some sort of wizard to be able to see your way through this. You know, they keep talking about engineering a soft landing where we bring inflation down, but we don't plunge the economy into recession. And if they pull that off, we will sit here and we'll do it. We'll do a little dance on the show for uh, our appreciation of the geniuses. Josh will
0: shave his head. Let's live on the
1: show. let's do it. If they can get inflation <laughs> in the next 12 months, under four percent without us going into a recession, we'll we'll shave the head here <laughs> live on air. are,
0: are we are, are we already in a recession? I mean, are you already setting yourself up so you can't be wrong? I'm not sure. Well, you saw the, the first print on the first quarter of this year was negative
1: 1.4. Um, they actually revised two more times. We'll see where that comes out. Um, and the official definition of a recession is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. So we would need two two more revisions without getting positive and then another quarter of it falling through, which isn't likely. Just the seasonality, the spring and, and summer uh, tends to be the, the highest GDP uh, period of the year. So long way of saying rates are elevated. They're likely to stay elevated. Historically, they're still very good. That doesn't um, give you a whole lot of comfort when home prices are historically very high um, and rates are two to two and a half percent higher than they were uh, this time last year. Um, It it is what it is. Uh, You know, We just go back to looking at the long-term fundamentals, buy when it is right uh, for you in your life to buy. Um, If you get moved for a job, if you get married, need a bigger house, um, life trumps trying to time the market. We've seen over the last 75 years that owning a home leads to greater wealth. And we've gone in depth on on why that is. Um, so really the only question becomes, not a lot of refinances that make sense for anybody out there right now. So does it make sense to purchase? Does it make sense to sell and move? Does it make sense to buy your first home? And that is a unique decision to you, which again, we've, we've beat that like a dead horse here. Um, In terms of what you should be looking at to determine whether it's it's the right decision for you.
0: No, and that's I mean, that's what's tough, right? I mean, I often get people commenting on my video saying, dude, you're saying the same things over and over again. I am, because not a lot's changing. I mean, it might seem like a lot's changing because headlines every day, you know, the fear factor is out there, it's in full force. So everybody's scary. It's I mean, it it makes for a scary time, but the reality is. Yeah, things are changing, but not at the pace you would think by the headline. So, yeah, the market is slowing a little bit. But with that, does not mean the fundamentals have changed in what you need to do in order to, you know, make the decision whether or not it's the right time for you to buy a house? I mean, two years ago, it was a lot harder to buy a house probably than it is right now. Maybe not two years ago, six months ago. But, you know, have the fundamentals changed from now? to to from then to now whether or not you should own a house i don't know that's for you to answer and so that's one of the things that we want to make sure that you understand when we're talking here we're just trying to provide education we're not trying to get you to you know make a rash decision about the market or what have you um you know we're telling you what we're doing personally and you can take it for what it's worth so just keep that in mind and and we will continue to update you guys every week and for those of you who are following the podcast some of these topics we dive into in a little bit more detail. In fact, the one that's going to drop next Tuesday is we're actually going to be talking about, you know, the idea of making offers in this market, what you need to think about as a buyer, things to keep in mind. So, you know, appreciate those who have supported it, those who haven't checked it out, go check it out. Um, and we're looking for more topics. We want to get deep on you know topics that you guys want to hear. So let us know in the chat what you want to hear, because that helps us make content that you actually want to listen to, which is important. Um, Josh, where, where do we go from here? You want to jump into some questions or anything else you want to chat about prior to that?
1: No, I would just just say if you uh, if you have a podcast topic and you want to post it over in the comments, just preface it with saying uh, podcast topic, so that we don't look at it and think it's a question and give you a two minute answer when we could have a, a twenty five minute podcast episode and go in depth on it.
0: No, absolutely. And added some 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 cheesy little banners here to the bottom just to give the the screen a little bit something better to look at. So you know, what do you think? Is it is it awful? Had you rather just have the black? on there had you rather go big head like this i'll <laughs> have no cattle or or this one this one actually looks a little bit better because you can see a little bit more head uh head you can see a little bit more background but anyway <laughs> let's dive into some questions here so um so we started the, the show uh henry john asked a question which i answered in the chat but i think it's a good question to to just put out there for those who are not reading the chat as a seller with an agent, can I refuse all offers if I'm not happy with any offers? Do I have any obligation to my selling agent if I don't sell? So no, as a seller, you have no obligation to accept anything. Um, But with that being said, you know, if if you're not interested in selling your house, then don't put it on the market. Now, not saying that's the case for you, but what I've seen in the past is people say, you know, I want 300,000 for my property. Let's list it at 300,000. And then they get offers at 300,000. They're like, nope, I don't want to sell. I was expecting multiple offers. I was expecting people to bid 350. And because I'm not getting 350, I'm not selling my house. If that's what you're expecting, then list the house at that. Now I'm not putting you in that, in that spot. I'm just saying out loud for anybody watching this, but no, you don't have to accept any, you know, potential offer or any offer for that matter. And typically speaking, you don't owe anything to your listing agent. Now, you know, I've, any home I've never sold or a seller's canceled, they don't owe me anything. Now, people do weird things in in different markets and in different areas. And I've never heard of anybody having you, you having to pay them after the fact. But people are crazy. You know, they're like, hey, I paid for marketing. I paid for photos. You need to pay me back. I don't do business like that. Uh, but just make sure with your agent, you know, that you haven't signed anything up front that sets that expectation. All right, Hunts closes on their house tomorrow, uh, appreciates the content, so we appreciate you being here, and uh, congrats on the house. Uh, Jeremiah, it's the first live stream for him, uh, wants to get hype in the chat. Josh, get hype in the I chat, mean, my friends. It's,
1: it's too late in the day, and it's been a stressful we week. We got a bunch so of 40-year-olds like here on a live to, broadcast, and you yeah. want us to
0: get hype. My Clearly, has, has beaten Jeremiah hype doesn't know his uh the uh people hosting the show here. Um let's see here. Chatbot clearly isn't working. Try to get that one back on. Um Claire, is it a good time to buy a house in the villages in Florida? We are planning to sell our home in Pennsylvania and pay cash. So the one thing I know about the villages, don't know a lot because I'm not in Florida, is I've had several clients over the past years move to the villages uh because of what it is. For those of you who don't know, it's a community. I think it's outside of maybe Orlando area. Maybe, um, it's is a it, big retirement initially community,
1: the largest master yeah. plan community. I, I the think country? the
0: largest retirement like planned community in the United States. I mean, they have, it's an entire, it's a city, um, golf courses, you know, anything that you want in a retirement community, they have it. Um, it's a very desirable area. So I would, those markets, because you have so many people downsizing, boomers downsizing, Florida is clearly a place that a lot of people want to go, especially from the Northeast where you are. I don't know what the market does there, and you know in the future, but I can tell you it's going to be a desirable area. Chances are, it's going to continue to do well. So I would, you know, it sounds like it's typically people to go to the villages for their last purchase. Not saying you're going to die there, but that's um, the idea. I think if you're going there, that's where you want to spend the rest of your life, and in that case. It's probably a long term purchase. So I think sooner is better than later um, without knowing all the ins and outs of that market. But I know a great agent there if you need one. Um, anything you want to add on that one, Josh?
1: Just that whoever came up with the villages is brilliant because you, you look, everyone goes to Florida because they want to be on the water. They put this thing right in the middle of the state. And well, they made their own water. A- did, is that what they did? I well, don't know, but
0: there's like little, like pond, I mean, river thing, streams running through this place. So. It's It's a very,
1: it's a very desirable place for a certain demographic and again we're talking about Florida. um, There's a reason why the entirety of the south has seen uh, an influx of population is people leaving colder uh, climates and and economies in the north and going further south um, for cheaper housing cheaps all relative it's more expensive than it was two three years ago but still um, relatively affordable housing and wonderful weather and a, a good economy and people uh, people are been retiring to Florida forever so when you have the biggest best master plan community in all of Florida I don't know how you could make a case that that it would be bad like you said Jeb um, people are generally moving there for their last place. So they're probably paying cash, selling a home somewhere else or getting a small mortgage, getting a reverse mortgage. Shouldn't be a whole lot of, of loan foreclosure risk there with that.
0: No, agreed. So, I mean, and again, you got time on your side for the most part, right? Unless, you know, it really is a short short span. You, you're going to be there. But um, no, I think sooner rather than later, just because it is a desirable area, a lot of people are going there. The only thing I will say, is that I know they're still building a lot of properties there. Um, it's not fully developed, um, you know, at least the last time I checked. Uh, so they're continuing to build new properties. So just watch what inventory does there. If they get a huge supply of homes, that could affect, you know, um, the cost of existing ones and and bring values down. But again, if you're buying for the right reasons, you're probably in good shape. So Carly wants to know, uh, wants to, to know, wants to rent, her home here in California, any pitfalls to be aware of? Um, it's not off top, off topic, in fact, it's a great question. So, Josh, you own some rental properties here in in California. Um, you know, for most people, owning rentals in California is not a bad gig, um, or, or renting your house out's not a bad gig. You've just got to do the legwork up front, right? Unfortunately, over the last couple of years, you know, re- owning rental properties got to really it's left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth because of the moratoriums and allowing people to stay and not paying rent or whatever. Traditionally speaking, that's never been an issue. You've been able to evict people and what have you. Now, what I will say, California, a very tenant-friendly state, which means if the tenant fights it or doesn't respond or whatever, it takes a little bit more time here in the state of California to evict those tenants. Um, So that's the downside. But what I was saying up front, the legwork is, Doing your homework up front, running credit, looking at background checks, you know, looking at money in the bank, jobs, that sort of thing. Because that will um, allow you to uh, make the right decisions up front and hopefully not put yourself in a position. Now, I looked at the screen and Josh had a phone, like a fake phone to his head.
1: Call on the references. Hardly anyone does it hardly anyone does it everyone every rental application form will have references on there um but don't just ask for their mom or their employer get get someone that they had rented from before now uh, again we were talking about california here california is very tenant friendly california is a litigious state that is plaintiff friendly so um you're going to have to read between the lines when you make that phone call over to someone because they're not going to say that SOB destroyed my house and didn't pay rent because they opened themselves up to liability. But if they don't say I would happily rent to that person tomorrow, it made me sad when they left. You might want to consider other options.
0: No, good stuff. Um, So Michael is wondering where Jennifer Lego is. I don't know. Jennifer disappeared. She got her house. She don't need her. She got her house. We don't need her. No, she's actually been pretty religiously coming back. So she's probably working. She's probably busy. I wouldn't be surprised if she popped in here at some point. Um, Let's see here. So three-butt, three-butt, three-butt bogeys. Three-butt bogeys? If this was 3 putt double bogeys, it could actually be me talking but it's not. So um, I just officially walked away from my new construction home that was initially approved at 3.75%. They wanted to lock at 55 and, and then offered me 49 but I'm going to hold out. So they're in Dallas. So this is something I've seen people comment quite a bit on in, in different videos, people in new construction. It's months out and rates have changed significantly from when they originally went under contract. This is probably gonna add some supply back um, in these new construction communities. Josh, what are your thoughts on this?
1: So uh, 3 Putt, if you're still around, I would love to hear the comment here. When you walked, were you able to get your deposit back? I have a client here. um, Obviously they were required to pre-approve with the builder's lender. They didn't love the terms the builder's lender had. Um, We've talked to them about uh, another program that we have uh, and there's some work there to be done. And we're sitting here, it's gonna be available in October. We just talked about, I don't really see any relief on the horizon in interest rates before October. So they're likely to be where they are today or worse. And they're very marginal in terms of their qualifications. If rates went up another quarter or a half percent, they don't even qualify. And she's telling me that the way the contract is written, if rates go up and they don't qualify, the builder gets to keep their deposit. And this is like 20 grand in in their case. So I would love to hear. um, Okay. So here he says here, he or she says, no, according to the contract, I lose my 5,000. So that's, that's, you know, a pretty significant lock in there to, to keeping people from doing that, but you're not alone. Like there, there are other people, um, you know, think about how long because of supply chain issues, labor issues, most new construction is one to six months late in closing. One to six months late here, I mean, heaven forbid, the people who were supposed to close in December and got pushed into February, that was probably the the worst that uh, versus what they really, really, truly could have expected to what they got. Um, but it's going to be an issue. There are a lot of people, I know the people that I qualify, most of them. That we qualified in january if they didn't buy something they don't still qualify today or they qualify for less today when you're in contract on a house there's some things that don't change so long way of saying what happens with this is you know i believe there's another question here jeb later on well, someone a- asked a they similar did say question they
0: lose according to the contract they lose their five grand deposit
1: yeah no i, I just I, we went through that but i'm saying there was another there was another comment uh in there Someone was asking, will people walking away from their homes under contract bring additional supply um, or will builders start cutting their prices? It still comes down to supply and demand. So let's say there's 100 houses due to be finished in August and 10 of those people back out. There's obviously 10 more homes available. If there's 20 people that wanted those homes, then obviously it doesn't impact the price at all. If there's five people that wanted those homes, there's going to be five that have a nice discount. And if the five people that want them know that there's 10 available, they're going to get the discounts also. Um, So it remains to be seen. We're still way behind the pace of building. Um, I I think it's going to be a lot like the, the other stuff that we're seeing slowing cooling the media loves to go with if it bleeds it leads so you see these headlines and then you actually read the article and you go oh average days on market increased five days um you know number of homes with price cuts went from nine percent to fifteen percent that's cooling that's not uh, a sign that the market is going to flip go upside down you're going to lose value and we have some questions here about uh, crashes and and we'll go a little deeper on on that and we talk about it every week why it is not going to happen and if you want your favorite doom and gloom youtube channel there's bunches of them out there that will tell you uh unfounded assertions about why home values are going to zero but um we're not the channel for that
0: nope and uh, real estate mindsets is finally starting to see some signs of local market cooling have you seen signs in your local market price drops homes on the market longer homes coming back on the market any inventory increase so Inventory has been continuing to increase since the beginning of the year, and that's something we expected to happen regardless of of what was happening in the market, just because seasonality, right? The spring brings more homes. With that said, um, we've seen, you know, up until about the last couple of weeks, just as many homes that came on the market going into escrow. So inventory wasn't really building per se. Started to see it build a little bit more over the last, I would probably say, month to five, six weeks. Um, with that being said, days on the market starting to take a little bit longer, uh, but homes are still selling pretty quickly. It, it really comes down to where the home's located, right? So I have a home right now um, that's been sitting on the market about a week and a half, right? Three months ago, four months ago, probably would have sold the first weekend. Now I have a house that's coming on the market this week that I already know three buyers that want that property. That property's probably going to be on the market Two days, three days. So it depends on the neighborhood. But yeah, we are seeing a little bit of cooling in different pockets. Um, just because, you know, rates are a lot higher. Um, you know, I I, I recently did some numbers on a video, 42% increase, you know, if you go from a three percent interest rate to a six percent interest rate. Now, many people out there aren't at six percent yet, but it wasn't that long ago we were at three percent. And so those are big jumps in payments. I mean, if you're looking at a million dollar loan, for example, that payment goes from $4,200 to $6,000. That's a big jump for even somebody that makes good money. I mean, that's, you know, that's going to cool um, some markets. And so we're starting to see more of that. My market, though, inventory is still low. I'm in a desirable market. SoCal is still going to continue to move. Um, You just got to be better at, you know, pricing the property, right? You can't just throw a number out there now and 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 hope to get 20 offers on it. You got to be more strategic. You know, I'm, I had this conversation a lot last week. There's a lot of real estate agents in the market at the moment because now we have more licensed real estate agents than we've ever had in history because the market's been doing so well. There's a lot of agents that have never had to price a home correctly because they came in the market in the last two years. There's a lot of real estate agents out there that have never had to have a difficult conversation with sellers about reducing price. There's a lot of sellers out there or agents out there that have never had to negotiate in these sort of situations. So it might be good if you got a professional on the buyer side to be able to do some of these things. Um, you know, that's a whole different topic in and in a, a video we could dive into really deep. Uh, but the answer, the easy answer is, yeah, things are starting to cool a little bit. I'm not expecting any big changes. I don't think you're getting any big discounts on properties. I think. I'm I'm personally under the belief that home prices are still going to move sideways to up. I don't think you're going to see big price drops unless the properties are are priced incorrectly from the start. Just yeah, my two cents. You,
1: yep. you you said something that that triggered a different thought. You said, "Yes, the market is is slowing a little, cooling a little as expected." And I want to go back to sort of last fall when people were asking, what's going to happen next year? What do we want to happen? And we said the same thing at the end of 2020, the same thing at the end of 2021. For the long-term health of the market, I don't want to see double-digit home price appreciation. I wanna see mid single digits, four, five, 6%. So not just expected cooling, needed cooling. And how do we get there? We get there with more of a balance between supply and demand. So we can get there with an increase in supply, we can get there with a decrease in in demand. So I think what we're seeing more right now is is on the demand side. Um, And we're still have enough demand that what you're you're still seeing the most recent market times in most markets is under two months of supply. We need to get to six months for it to be neutral. And a neutral market will get you three, 4% annual home price increases. So when we look at that, we're a long ways from there. And it's funny how much people get spooked or scared because the market has changed when the market is still strongly a seller's market. The only sellers having a hard time are, you know, you had talked about last summer, you had a client that made an offer on a house next to railroad tracks. And you're like, I don't think you want to do this, but people were willing to do anything. Now the guy next to the railroad tracks, probably has to give a little bit of a discount. The guy who has the hideous house that he's convinced all of the ugly things he did to his house or she did to her house were awesome. And they want a a big premium for that. They're not going to get that. So, you know, we've talked in the past that a home comes on the market. You're like, those people are nuts. That house is ugly or that's a bad location or a weird school district. And they were getting it. Those people aren't getting it any longer, but long way of saying this is healthy. This is what we needed, uh, You know and and to your point you don't have to have a crash if home prices uh exceed the fundamentals today you can trade sideways for a long period of time and there are some very strong reasons why that is far more likely than a crash so for supply to come to market you have to have two parties uh, a seller willing to sell it and then a buyer willing to buy it so who's going to sell their home the average debt to income or the average loan to value as of december 31st which we've gone up another five or ten percent since then was about 47 percent so most people that own have a much lower payment than what they can afford. now we've had a couple people in the comments here say hey i sold up 60 percent in the last two years i sold okay you got a bunch of cash so people some people will do that but most people are going to look at where do i want to be two three five years from now and if i want to be in this area and i want to be a homeowner the ownership with their locked in low interest rate and their large equity position is going to prevent them from selling. So we're seeing a decrease in demand, primarily able demand. There's less people able to qualify for homes at the current prices, but there's also less supply because some of the people or there's not an, a, an equal increase in supply, even though less demand out there to take it down because people are incentivized to stay in their homes with a bunch of equity and a really low interest rate.
0: No, I mean, I can speak from experience here, right? So. My wife and I have been looking at property for the last year or so, and she looks more than I do, right? So I'm not, you know, she she wants to move more than I do because she's at home more than I am. But I will tell you that if the right property comes up now, there's a really good chance that we're going to make an offer on it and be aggressive because I feel like now's the time. Now the payment's going to suck compared to what it was a couple of months ago, but it is what it is. I mean, for me, again, it becomes, is it the right time in my life? And it is because my kids are growing, you know, where you, they're getting bigger and we need more space and and for a lot of reasons, right? There's a lot of things that we want to change and all of that good stuff. So, you know, it's got to be the right time for you, not anyone else. So um, that's where I'll leave that for now. So, um, Josh, I saw a comment here that I wanted Jeff. to... Qu- Yep. Just let's before we leave this
1: taco pops up and says some areas will definitely crash. You guys are talking about California prime real estate. It's an important point that you're making all real estate is local. And you are 100% correct that Jeb and I primarily deal with California real estate, but we also look a lot at Arizona, Texas, mostly Southern states. When we get to the Northeast, we have a lot of you in New Jersey, other areas of the Northeast were, were removed from that uh, and the, the Midwest and upper Midwest, but the West and the South have a pretty good handle on it. Now, what I worry about, and Jeb, what are your thoughts on this? What I, I, I don't say worry about, what I'm more concerned about, someone brought up Boise. You look at the prices of what has happened in, in Boise and some of those home prices are almost as expensive as what we have in California. Well, in California, we've talked about all the good things. We talked about all the bad things, but what we generally have, it's one of the biggest economies in the world when you talk about other countries. So there are high paying jobs that support high home prices. So I think Boise's awesome. And I'm saying it wrong. It's Boise. Um, I think Boise's awesome, but do they have, enough jobs there that pay to support those home prices. So just wanted to, to point out that comment. Um, it, it's a good one. And it's a good one worth worth following. Um, but even in those areas, most people are, are sitting on because of the run up the last oh, two years are sitting on a bunch of equity.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, is how many of those buyers paid cash? How many of those buyers had huge down payments? That's the thing you got to think about. I mean, it, it, regardless of what home prices do, if people don't have to sell, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, it, it I mean. You could say home prices go down 30% tomorrow, but if nobody sells, then what What? What? What does it matter that home prices went down? You're still in the same boat for the most part. I mean, it doesn't mean a bunch of people are going to unload their property. So again, just know your fundamentals of your market, where you're buying. I mean, like we said, we follow the Phoenix market and uh, I forget exactly how it read, but the, the, the comment this week was essentially they, they've got the most inventory they've seen in, I forget how long right but still again well below where they need for a balanced market so yeah things are changing this is this was going to happen at some point people like we could not have a market that increased in price and and just continued to roll forever this is this is a good thing now if you're a buyer i know it sucks because interest rates are higher and the payment is more but in order to balance the market you have to have interest rates stay up for an extended period of time in order to get some of that supply to build. Now the catch is it's all go- also going to keep some people from selling because of how low interest rates were and, and where people locked in. So it's really because of that, I don't think you're going to see any huge moves. That's why I don't think there's big downside coming and at the same time, I don't think you're seeing big upsides in the market again either because that 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 interest rate um, play, if you will, is is affecting both sellers. And it's affecting both buyers keeping sellers in place and some buyers from buying. And you know, you got gradual move on either side. So well, Jeff, the, let's just stay on this topic because there's some questions here that are
1: feeding into this. Dan Cooper uh, follows up and says, what do you think home values will be in 20 years compared to now? So a lot of what we're talking about, um, you can't remain on this trajectory. So a lot of times when you see a market run up as rapidly as it did, what it does is you're pulling demand forward from the future. There were a lot of people in the market at one time It pushed the value up. That means there may be less buyers in the future. We've looked at the chart and we see what um, the, the generational chart looks like of millennials coming into prime home buying age. That will support the market, but it could be that some of them got priced out. Some of them bought sooner because of the fear of missing out if i was to guess i just i just pulled up the case shiller this is the national home price index so every market is different you guys point that out we try to point it out as often as possible as i go back to 2002 that index was at 115 uh, to start the year and we are right now as of january as of february at 287 so more than a 250 percent increase in the last 20 years i would be shocked if we saw another 250% increase in the, the next 20 years. We've had some unique tailwinds to the market, um, primarily interest rates going down. I don't expect interest rates to be significantly higher in 20 years, but when you go down to two and a half, 3%, if they go to one and a half, you don't get the same tailwind effect as rates going from nine in late the late 90s down to two and a half by 2022. So uh, it's, it's something to, to look at and, and pay mind. You know, Jeb, you had asked about the chart and I've got to dig it, dig it out, but 70-year uh, national appreciation is about 4.6%. So even if that moderated and decreased going forward in the next 20 years to three and a half, four 4%, ownership will still represent your greatest wealth builder over the next 20 years. But it's a reasonable thought to temper your expectations going forward and don't think that the next 20 years are going to look exactly like the last 20 years.
0: Nope. Um, yeah. I, again, we could do, I mean, this is the kind of episode we need to have on the podcast, but it's hard to have this back and forth without having the questions come in and and do that because this is good dialogue. So maybe we'll turn one of these into a podcast one day and we can all do it because um, this is the stuff that people want to know. Uh, but let's see here. So Jennifer Legos in the chat now. I told you she'd come, guys. You were wanted, Jennifer. They were wondering where you were. I had no doubt in you. I knew you would be here. Um, but Taco also made a a comment earlier that I wanted to put up here because I didn't, I, not that I didn't think it was correct. I just, I, well, I don't think it's correct, but you could tell me, Josh. Um, He says no state income tax or capital gains tax. So no capital gains tax in Florida. Is that accurate? Can Uh, they do that? I thought capital gains was only federal tax.
1: Well, there's both there's federal and state. So there's just saying on the state level. So no Um, state
0: capital gains tax. Yeah. Got it. Okay. All right. Um, let's see here. Let's see. we got some good questions. So Teresa says, How do we get in touch with Josh to posh, to possibly get pre-approved? So Josh, we could throw your contact information up there. If you want to find it, my friend. Um, I'll dig it out. All right. Okay, so Robert, oh, so did I just, I have <laughs> yeah. vetoed your, uh, your contact info? <laughs> You're or out, Throw your bro. contact info out there, and then I'll-, uh, I'll go, un- go through, go through, uh, go through the so question. There here you go, there. Josh's, Josh's email right there. So check that out. So hopefully that answers your question. If not, uh, I believe contact info is in the description. If not, you can reach out to me and I'll connect you. Uh, but Robert says, I'm in a predicament right now, but I'm in a good one. I'm in Vegas and my house has $230,000 in equity. Don't know if I want to sell it or rent it. I need to move to another part of town. What do you suggest? That's one of those questions to each his own. Do you want to be a landlord? Can you qualify for another home without selling that home? Do you want to buy something else? If you sell, what are you going to do with the equity? These are all things you got to ask yourself. And if you do sell and decide to rent, can you find something that you want to rent? I mean, Vegas is building a lot, so chances are probably. Um, but these are all things you got to think about. Um, do you have capital gains tax? All of these things. So not as easy as just yes or no. Um, you got to decide whether it's the right time for you. But here's what I would say if you're in a position to continue to hold real estate, there's some cash flow on it because of the amount of equity you have, you're able to rent it and positive cash flow, then it's worth keeping. Now, if you're upside down and and in renting it, then you may consider selling it. But th- those are some some things that you need to think about yourself that are think, that are difficult for us to answer.
1: Think about this, Jeb. This isn't the right answer, but it's a it's a thought that came into my head. You need to move to another part of town. Um, if it, it sounds like a lateral move, I mean, Vegas is a big big but also a small area. So if you're not saying, "Hey, I love this part of town better." keeping the home and renting it keeps you in the market for appreciation, paying down the mortgage, tax benefits, without having to go buy in a tough market. Higher interest rates, still a seller's market uh, in, in Vegas. So it could be renting and renting out your place and renting a place in the new part of town um, could be a good option, especially if you don't know that you need to be in the other part of town permanently. Maybe it's a one, two, three year thing, and you can go back to your, your current home and avoid those transaction costs and potential tax complications. But those are the things I would be looking at, all the things that Jeb said. But also, you have a little bit of a hedge where you're already in the housing market. You don't have to step out. You don't have to incur those costs.
0: Good stuff. So this is kind of a follow-up to what we discussed a minute ago in depth, but uh, Radiant says, I won't name names, but some very successful real estate investors, agents think home prices will come down 10 to 20% this year into the next year. What are your thoughts on that? So here's what I'll say. We talked about it a minute ago. Real estate's local. Some markets are probably going to see an impact, maybe between 10 and 20%. It's hard to say. The, the markets that were never popular prior in, to the last in two the, years. In the next year, Jeb?
1: 10 to 20% in the next year, in the next 12 months. I that's, mean, that's here's what question. I would say.
0: I'm from a small town, North Carolina, right? And um, homes there have been selling quickly, you know, top dollar. And there's land to build and that sort of thing. So if you told me that home prices in that market were going to drop 10, 10% over the next year, I would say, eh, that's reasonable. I mean, I, I think because... It It is one of those markets that, for me, isn't desirable. I mean, I, I don't live there for that reason, right? It's not a desirable market to me. But if you told me that's going to happen here in Orange County, I'd say absolutely no chance. So you got to know what market you're talking about. Um, I think the markets that weren't super popular prior to two years ago, and that doesn't take in the Boises and the Phoenix, Phoenix markets in Vegas because they've been popular for a long time. But I'm talking about some of these rural rural areas where people have moved to get off the grid and whatever. Those are the markets. I think you see the bigger price reductions because I think you see people getting back to a normal way of life in many ways and wanting to be closer to cities and wanting to be closer to things. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the pandemic changed that entirely. I don't know. Um, I think 20% is a is a big stretch. Um, But there's markets that we've talked about before, Josh. You know, New Orleans. Right. That's a market that that really hasn't. And it might not be New Orleans specifically, but there's some some communities around New Orleans um, that haven't really seen any appreciation during the last two years just because of how much they were affected prior to that time. So those markets, you might see a little bit more of that. Um, But I think the big metropolitan areas. No, I I don't think you see 10 to 20 percent. Josh, what do you want to?
1: anyone anyone predicting losses in the real estate market this year um is is either unserious or or unsound mentally it just doesn't happen that way you know right. from from what from today we're halfway through may and we still haven't seen any decreases. So sometime in June, we see it. So in the next six months or in the next 12 months, if you want to take it into next year, we're going to drop 10 to 20%. They don't understand what the supply and demand means. So again, either unsound, they just don't know, or they're not serious. They're, they're actually trying to mislead you. If you flash forward five years, seven years, and you show me a, a scenario where we're down 10 or 20%, there's there's ways it can, it can play out and, and pencil out. But other than trying to get clicks and views and attention, anyone saying to ten to twenty percent in the next year, just they're not
0: serious. Well, what I think is, people, you know, they look at a price, right? So they look at a home price of a house that's say a million five, and it ends up selling for a million three fifty, right? So one hundred fifty thousand dollars less. That's ten percent less than what the asking price was. So somebody looks at that and goes, "Look, home prices decreased by ten percent." No, you overpriced the house by 10% probably to start with. Now, maybe not exactly 10%, but that's what you have to understand, right? I mean, the market moving like it's moved over the last couple of years, it's been very difficult to price homes correctly because of where they've been selling. You're going to see less of that and things move back towards the the long-term trends, if you will. But in no way do I see any major increases coming in in big markets out there just because of the lack of supply. So anyway, um, here's a question we've never had before, Josh. What type of questions to ask when searching for home insurance quotes? So Josh, you want to
1: jump on that one? So I am far from an expert on this, but they're going to ask you some questions uh, about the, the construction of the home, the, the location, the lot size, all of that from your end. Um, this is an area where there's been uh, a lot of, of financial innovation in terms of websites, marketplaces for this. Um, you want to be really careful. Most of us rarely or never have an insurance claim. When you have an insurance claim, you want to make sure you have a good and reputable insurance company that helps you in a timely manner and doesn't try and nickel and dime you. Generally, the savings is not huge from one company to another. If you saw one that was really low and you didn't know them and they don't have a long track record um, and a high rating, I would be concerned uh, about that. That being said, I, I'm not gonna name names here, but there are a couple of, of insurance companies that a, a, a large portion of the population use that when I see them come across, I know from our end, their service is terrible. And I also know the premiums are about 30%, 40% higher than other companies, but people often have their auto insurance with them. They like to bundle and they put it all together. So um, I, shop, shop, with, shop and put, Large weight on a reputable company, not just on price. You should still be able to get a great rate with a a large and reputable company that you've heard of before.
0: There you go. Um, Quick question for those of you watching at the moment. Um, I'm assuming all of you here are is it blurry on your side? Um, I show it blurry on on my other screen. So I'm just trying to see what the connection looks like. Um, So let us know on that end if you don't mind. Just want to make sure we're giving you good stuff here and it looks okay from that side. Uh, so the, the, the only thing I would follow up to that is brokers, right? I tend, I tend to go with a broker on insurance, just like, um, I would with, if getting a mortgage brokers have access to a lot of different companies when, with regards to insurance and, and, and a lot of the companies, they have access to the mercuries and all those guys that you can go to directly as well. Um, some of the bigger names they don't have access to because they don't broker that stuff out, but. I've always done the broker side. It's always been a little less expensive. Um, and my coverage has always been, you know, I've always been covered in, in accidents and, and home insurance claims and that sort of thing. So just make sure you're doing the right thing and make sure you're getting enough coverage to actually cover your house. Um, everybody wants to go super inexpensive when doing home insurance policies because it saves them money. But if something big happens, you know, the the money's not, might not be there to actually fix the problem. So just make sure you have enough to cover to cover what's going on um anybody say what is it blurry no clear all right so it's just my screen over here guys all right so josh um is land a better investment than a house the 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 big difference is um you can't do anything with the land
1: while you're holding it so what are you going to do with it (laughs) invest in land and do what are you going to develop it um are you going to hold it land just sits there and you have a tax bill uh, associated uh, associated with it if there's no structures on it you don't have insurance really just have the taxes um it can appreciate it depends on on where it's at there has been land that has been a great investment but jeb i don't know about you there's a couple of lots around Huntington beach here that i see them and they've sat there forever a couple have sold here recently and i look and i go who would have that valuable uh, of an asset and just let it sit there and i understand that those lots have appreciated tremendously But it also just sat there and did nothing for a number of years with a fairly significant tax bill. So um, land is generally going to be cash or finance at a low loan to value with a high interest rate. Now you're increasing the carrying costs. So um, it could just be if we brought a a land investor on here and they told us the 10 reasons why it's an awesome investment, I could fully be educated. It could just be ignorance. But when I think in terms of investing in land, um, it just doesn't seem super attractive unless it was something that I wanted to hold for the long term.
0: Yeah, I think I mean, again, I mean, Josh didn't say this directly, but it depends on location, right? If you're telling me, hey, I can buy an oceanfront property, you know, in Newport Beach. And and I could afford it, and I see the value in it long term. And or or you know my idea is that in twenty years I'm going to build my dream house there. Then yeah, I mean that, there's a plan to do that and what have you. And over time that land's going to continue to likely appreciate in value, depending you know if it's in a desirable location. Now if you buy land in the middle of the desert, eh, I don't really see the the value in that. So um, going to depend again what Josh said on on what you plan to do with it. All right. So Mohan Mohan says, can I bid less than the list price and set a time if the seller does not respond, the offer stands canceled? Absolutely. Um, and what I would say is that is going to be a better idea in the market that we're headed into at the moment than the market we came out of. So over the last couple of you know, the last say six months or so, if you set a time on an offer for a seller to respond, the seller's probably like, "Screw you, I'm getting twenty offers. I don't need to respond to you immediately. Why respond? Now, with less a little bit less demand out there, more supply, I think you have an an option to play that card a little bit more aggressively. Um, but yeah, you can offer whatever you want and put whatever terms and give them however long you want to respond. You can give them an hour to respond. It, it's really how you want to do it, but you got to be reasonable. Um, you know, because again, sometimes it's difficult to get a hold of people. Maybe there's a husband and wife, they got to make a decision together. So there's a lot going into it. So just make sure you're you're thinking it all through before you get too aggressive on your timeline. Josh, why are there a lot of title companies? And how would you choose one? The funny thing is, what is a title company? Yeah, it's the
1: company that ensures that you are actually getting clear and marketable title to the home. There's not any clouds or defects. No one has claims against the property, either ownership or monetary claims. Um, The interesting thing is, there are actually not that many title companies the actual insurer and underwriter. So the policy is underwritten and issued by a handful of companies. And that is why for the most part, their policies are very similarly priced, much more so than homeowner's insurance. They're all gonna be in a very narrow range, um, but there are a lot of resellers. The important thing, you know, we've talked about this in the show before Jeb, title insurance claims are incredibly rare. So for the most part, this is gonna be completely transparent to you. From our end, when I get to pick, which is on refinance transactions, um, if we have a for sale by owner that a buyer comes to us, say, hey, I'm buying the house from my landlord, I'm buying from my brother-in-law, whatever. When we get to pick, the most important thing to me, which you as a consumer would never have knowledge of, is their actual underwriting. Occasionally, you'll come up with some hairy stuff, and they'll want to um, not include coverage in the policy or not remove something from the preliminary tower. The preliminary title report um, and it comes down to is the title company reasonable, is the underwriter reasonable? And if you're dealing with one of these resellers that's going back to one of the big insurers, they have way less leeway to make exceptions for you. Um, the bigger companies, the First American, the Old Republic, more likely to, to write over things that may be a little cloud in the title, um, knowing that the actual risk to them is, is very small. How about yourself, Jeb? What do you, what do you think about shopping for title?
0: I think it's a good, I mean, I don't think it, it makes a lot of sense for, uh, I'll be honest, I didn't hear a thing you said, I was reading comments. So I don't think it makes sense for the buyer necessarily to do it. Typically the agents uh, working the transaction have the relationships and have the most pull. So this could be exactly what you just said. Um, but I would count on my agent to, to work on trying to, uh, to get title policies. Um, single family homes, I'd say it's less of a concern with regards to your your title company because they're all pretty similar in what they offer. When you get into condos and some of the coverage that's there, some cover certain things while others don't. So it's, you got to, it, it typically makes sense to go with a bigger name on some of those. Um, and we could talk about that in more detail um, as well. But, um, you know, there's very few title companies actually out there. It's just they all have, you know, separate divisions of that big entity if you will i don't know if you said that josh but there's only really i mean my understanding is you know maybe a handful of title companies there's just a lot of different branches of that title company from the top that just have different names yeah no
1: no 100 percent. that's what i'm saying Uh, they're they're all uh, most of the companies there's five six major title insurance companies they underwrite and issue the policies but if jeb and i wanted to go start a title company tomorrow we could do it that doesn't mean we're underwriting it doesn't mean we're insuring it means we're basically reselling policies for the the bigger companies and there's enough margin in it that it doesn't really increase the cost it just keeps you a step away from the actual underwriter
0: not good stuff uh kenobi says uh can a person purchase a home with usda loan from another state like from new york to north carolina So the easy answer is yes, you just have to find a lender that can actually do business in the state that you're moving to. So in your case, North Carolina, you need a lender that's licensed in North Carolina to do that loan. Josh, anything we add on that one? Again,
1: just trying to read in here and making sure they understand that you have to move to to North Carolina in that instance. Right. It's it's an owner-occupied loan program. So you either have to say, hey, my employer in New York is letting us work remotely, and they'll write that on the verification of employment, and that's how I'm able to move to North Carolina. Or you have to have employment in the North Carolina area
0: uh, when you move because USDA is only owner-occupied. All right, good stuff. Josh, do you believe the stock market is a leading indicator for the real estate market?
1: I do not. Um, The biggest difference between um, stocks and real estate 90% plus of real estate. Well, leverage is a good point you have there, Jeb. But it's also, there is a functional utility in housing. People need to have a roof over their head. 90% of of housing is owner-occupied or tenant-occupied by uh, someone who who also owns it. So there's also much higher transaction costs. It's harder to sell, um, bigger tax issues. So some of the same things, that if you're selling lots of, of stock, Can come into play um, but they don't trade nearly as quickly and they actually have use most people if you think tesla is going to go to zero tomorrow you wouldn't hold it you would sell it if you think your house is going to go down in value 10 percent, you got to think okay i'd like to sell it to avoid that loss but where am i going to go what am i going to do how am i going to put a roof over my head so they're not super similar they're not similar in how they trade in terms of of correlations
0: yeah and historically speaking and we've talked about this, you know, and again, going back to to the 70s, whenever the Fed has gotten involved, raised the Fed funds rate to fight inflation, inflation's come down, interest rates have eventually come down, but the stock market has dropped on average, what, 10%, Josh? In some cases, a little bit more. Um, so, I mean, we haven't seen rates pull back yet, but everything else is kind of following suit, uh, hopefully, you know, with, with more of the fed doing what the expectations are you got less volatility and hopefully rates retrace a little bit um but you know i am a i'm looking at the market like today as a as an investor in equities thinking ah there's i own stock currently i didn't sell anything um occasionally in in these uh situations i i sell calls and and do all that i didn't do anything this time uh quite frankly i was just too busy doing other things but uh i think it's a good re-entry point for me in some of these stocks because i'm i was a buyer in these stocks a couple months back and and for me i'm a long-term holder so i don't really care what happens tomorrow if i get a you know a slightly better entry point or the stock goes down 5% cuz i'm not going to sell it but you got to make the decision for you no,
1: and Jeb, you know, one of the things that we we talked about, you and I talked about um, an article that we had read on Kathy Wood and the ARC fund and how it's just absolutely got crushed here. And looking at it, someone had asked a very good question said, okay, not let's not even think about how many of these companies are going to give you a big uh, return in the next five years. How many of those companies that she holds in that fund are not going to exist in five years? So a lot of the big returns. Are because of the potential of these companies but there's also a a lot of risk there so just a a lot of different stuff in in stocks that don't really come into play in in residential real estate now if you'd ask the question about commercial real estate because of businesses publicly held companies being impacted um, by stock price movements uh, it actually does have a, a bigger correlation to uh, to the stock market, commercial real estate does than uh, than residential real estate, which is not highly correlated at all, not hardly correlated at
0: all. All right, um, let's see here. Um, what do we got? We had to, let, let's start th- some let me start. Let me throw this
1: one up here yeah. as just a comment here. So, and I don't know. Shenzhen says I'm late because I was finalizing my insurance quote with Progressive. I don't know if they were late closing or late to the the live tonight. But one thing I would like to say, for whatever reason, buyers love to wait until late in the process. I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'll get it over to you next week. For your sake, your peace of mind, and your lender, once you have the property under contract and you know I'm buying this home, get your insurance quote in line. That way there's no surprises. You have time to adjust if anything happens and your lender has it early in the process. It's one of the things that we need to get your closing disclosure out. So just to avoid delays and issues, definitely want to make sure we get ahead of it and do that early in the process.
0: All right. Let's see here. We had a question earlier, Josh, about um, an arm. Uh, Debbie says, is is it a good time to buy in high-end area in the Bay Area with a five-year arm? Houses are sitting on the market for a little longer can I put in an offer 30% below the asking any thoughts? So I'd say avoid the second part of the question. Maybe just talk about arms in this market and are they useful or not? What are your thoughts? How about this let's, let's answer three questions at once because there's actually a few of them queued up here Dennis said I just got a
1: 5% seven year arm. Do you guys see interest rates going back going ever going to come back to sub 5% in the next seven years to allow them to refinance and then SNN media production said, uh, do you see a red flag with this trend towards uh, adjustables so. I do not see a red flag with it. You you and I went fairly well in depth on this uh, a week or so ago. These are not the two and three year adjustable rate loans. They're not option arm loans that are like a ticking time bomb that you know is going to adjust here. So five years is about as aggressive as is offered. Um, Seven and 10 years are the most common over a seven year time horizon. um, I believe that the home values are going to go up most uh, borrowers will be making more money at the end of the seven years, and they most likely will have an opportunity to refinance in the next seven years. So from that perspective, I think they're a good option for keeping the home ownership costs low. You know, everyone is afraid of adjustable rates, but if we go back to 1982, that last peak in interest rates, if you had borrowed with uh, a monthly adjustable rate, for the last 40 years, you would have paid far less in interest uh, on your real estate through that time. Now, most people are not comfortable with a monthly adjustable. So this gives you that fixed period. Now, tenure in homes, meaning how long people own a home has expanded over the last 15, 20 years. Used to be about seven years, we're up to 10, 11 years that people will own a home. But the reality is you're going to refinance once, maybe twice in that time horizon. Now, some of our friends here and viewers in the comments think that we're never going to see low interest rates again, and they're shooting to the moon. Um, they can definitely go higher from here, but I still believe the arc of, of long-term interest rates is, is lower um, for any number of reasons. So I think that a seven or a 10 year. And usually uh, the difference between a seven and a 10 year is about an eighth or a quarter percent. So depending on, on where you're at, um, you know, yourself, your history, if you get moved around a lot for work, these are a great option. If you um, know that, Hey, I'm going to retire and I'm going to move away after the grandkids graduate from college. Cool. Another good option, another good use for this. So I don't shy away from the product at all. We want to do a side-by-side comparison and let the numbers dictate how much of a savings do I get on a monthly basis? And is that enough of a reward for me to give
0: up this comfort and security of a 30-year fixed rate? All right, good stuff. So guys, we've been on one hour. I would like to ask a favor. If you find any value in today's content at all, hit the thumbs up. Feel free to share it with a friend, like us, follow us on social media, check out the podcast, all of that good stuff. Um, we're here two hours every week to provide value, and we do it free of charge. All we ask for is you to click a little button there, guys. So thank you for doing that. Um, let's see, Josh. We we outlined some questions at the beginning of the show. I'm not sure if these people are still around now, but we'll still answer them because we flagged them. Uh, thoughts on the Nashville market? Uh, haven't heard a word on Nashville on this channel unless I missed a video. So we don't typically talk a lot about other markets just because we're not in those markets. But I've had several clients purchase in Nashville um, over the years. I know some agents in Nashville. In fact, my my transaction coordinator just moved from Southern California to Nashville. So oh, Palace. Yeah. So um, yeah, it, Nashville st- still seems to be doing well. Uh, there's a lot of people that want to be there for quality of life, for, you know, uh, the size of property they can get and all of that good stuff. But a lot of it's not happening necessarily in Nashville now. It's happening on the outskirts and Franklin and some of these other markets. But I haven't heard of any big changes, changes rather. Um, it's a growing city. I think it'll continue to probably do well. Will it see the pr- appreciation that we've seen over the last two years? Probably not. Not many markets are going to. In fact, I don't know that any market's going to see the appreciation that we've seen over the last couple of years. But I will say there's a lot of people still looking to make that move for one reason or another. I'm having conversations with sellers all the time. In fact, I've got a house on the market today where the sellers are moving somewhere in that in that area. So I think you're still going to have a lot of that. Uh, just got to know what's going on and, and be able to make the right decision for you. So Josh, um, something you touched on a little bit earlier. Do you think the interest rates will decrease in the fall months do you think I the interest do, rates will increase? I,
1: I do, and here's the worry or the concern. I don't think we've seen the highest of of the interest rates. So if they go higher and, and moderate and come back down, what what does that mean? So we have to watch and see where it plays out. Everything that's going on points to recession. Recessions are deflationary. Um, you, you know, be careful with experts, including these two that are so-called experts talking to you. Absolutely. Absolutely people that I look at and trust think this time next year, inflation is going to be back down to 4%. Now, before you say, Hey, this guy's crazy. He's thinking inflation is all the way down to 4%. Remember that's double what we've been for the last 10, 15 years. So that's still, a pretty high level of inflation that none of us really want to see over the long haul. So my expectation would be that's probably about right, somewhere between 3 and 5% this time next year. And the following year, we're probably right back on trend where we were, where it's very hard to get to the the 2% long-term inflation level. When you have that, interest rates are a function of a real return, or at least historically until the last three, four, five years have been a real return, meaning what's the rate of inflation, what's the premium on top of that that generates me a return on my money so um you, you know you're, you're probably looking at interest rates in the the three to five percent range over the long haul and we're above five percent for most borrowers uh, right now, without paying significant points and fees. So I do believe rates will go lower, but we haven't necessarily seen seen the peak, and that will be the the interesting part. You know, again, smart people that we follow that don't just spout opinions that actually have numbers and reasons for why they think this is going to happen um, think that we're probably going to see a, a decrease in inflation by the fall, October, November, and that should start bringing rates down. So what happens between here and there? How high and ugly do they get before then? I don't know. know, Someone in the comments had popped up, I expect rates to be seven to 8%. Okay, what has to happen for rates to get to 7.5%? Right now, we've got a 2.2% spread between 10-year treasuries and mortgages. So now you're gonna tell me we need a 5.5% 10-year treasury. And I can show you 9,000 technical charts that says, if we have a 5.5% 10-year treasury, the world is in a bunch of trouble. So it's easy to say an opinion, oh, I think 7 to 8%, but when you back up and you go through the numbers and see what that means and what it takes for uh, for the market to devolve to that type of a situation, none of you wanna see 7 to 8% interest rates, even those of you who are hoping for a crash, because that would go a long ways towards bringing home prices down. But everything that goes along with it, I can tell you, Jeb can tell you, everyone who's super confident that I'm waiting on the sidelines, I'm gonna jump in once this market crashes, those people's giant balls go into their purse when the market drops 20 percent, and they don't magically don't buy because they're afraid. Well, it might go lower. Um, we had people, you know, buy. from 2007 to 2009, we'd seen most of the bloodbath. By 2010, you were at the bottom. No one wanted to buy. It was 2013 before we started seeing home prices tick back up. So it's easy um, when you think you see an inflection point coming that you're going to act a certain way. In the real world, people don't do it. There's lots of research on the stock market. People sell at the bottom and they buy at the top. So it, it will be interesting to see what happens if we see some level of correction in in the housing market if people are looking to jump in. I don't expect it to be 10 to 20%. So I don't think that if we got a 10% correction, the guy that thinks that home values are going to drop 35%, they're not going to jump in, but some people will, and it will again, tick tick prices up. So uh, time will tell. Watch if someone is giving you numbers on anything, ask them how they got to those numbers. We had some comments here, two uh, two viewers going back and forth in the comments and someone asked for, okay, what evidence do you have? Google it. Don't Google it. Google it is not good information. Figure out who's trustworthy. Doesn't mean they have a crystal ball and know exactly what's gonna happen going forward, but at least you know it's a researched and valid opinion uh, and and not just someone hoping for, for an outcome.
0: Nope. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, Hold on one second here. Uh, so here we go. Christian says, I sold my home in Temecula to move back to San Diego. I see a lot of price cuts happening. What are your thoughts on the San Diego market? Should I continue waiting? So San Diego market's pretty similar to Orange County in the sense that they've seen inventory increase. Things are still moving. Again, it, it goes back to everything that we've been saying. If you find the right house, you know, it probably... I would say t- time is of the essence on that sort of thing. But, you know, San Diego is always going to be a desirable market. Now, there's different pockets of San Diego, right? Closer you are to the coast, just like Orange County, the, the more desirable those locations are going to get or be rather. it's the, the further inland you are, you know, the less desirable it's going to be get. If you're in Borrego Springs, I mean, let's be honest. no, Very few people probably want to live in. Is that even San Diego County? I think it is. Uh, but. It, you got to look at the, the area that you're considering buying um, and, and base it on that. But it's similar to Orange County in the sense that low inventory, it's starting to increase, no big changes in the mar- in the market overall. Uh, and then somebody goes and asks, can you recommend an agent in San Diego? And the answer is absolutely. Uh, there's a link in the description below if you fill that out. But it's probably better to let me know where in San Diego you want to be. Because again, Different agents work different pockets of San Diego. One agent. It's not a one size fits all San Diego because San Diego is huge. So you need somebody that knows the area that you're looking to be. Here we just
1: I just put the crawl up there for you also. It says okay. top producing mortgage professional. Mortgage or real estate, Jeb, can get you connected to someone. Yeah, that,
0: that link at the bottom there can can help you out. Um, So this says, you know, people are canceling housing contracts. What's next? Wave of foreclosure. So. My I don't no, no, foreclosures are not the next wave. Uh, will you have some foreclosures? Absolutely. We've talked about this bec- before. People have too much equity. You know, even if you saw, you know, a a, a prices decline by 10%, which you're not gonna see in a single in, in this year, uh, you're not gonna see a ton of foreclosures. There's just too much equity in property. In fact, I saw a staggering stat. Uh, yesterday, and and I meant to clip it so I can use it, but it was like forty percent of people in the United States own their homes free and clear, or some crazy number. And I was like, "That dude, that's crazy, mind boggling to me." Whatever the number was, but it was a high percentage of people actually own their homes free and clear. And you know, we we've there's a chart that they use in Black Night. It's it's in their data every single month when they publish it, and it shows you a scale going from like. Less than 50% loan to value, all the way up to like 110% loan to value. And the majority of people, you know, the 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 percentage, it's like 90% of people have at least like 30% equity in their property or something crazy. Um, we'll have to pull that that clip for for next week, or if maybe if you're on a tangent here, Josh, I'll go in and try to find it. Uh, but the majority of people have equity, that's why you're not gonna see a bunch of foreclosures. You want to you you talk for a minute, Josh? And I'll see if I can find that. Uh, sure. That, Let's that go to this. There. So,
1: so Zen Amen follows up with, they're already six and a half for some with six exclamation points. What are you talking about with three question marks? I'm a disabled vet needing a home looking to buy now, but it's still crazy. My wife has watched houses on the market for one year. So I'm not sure what the last comment is, but yes, <laughs> are there loans out there at six and a half percent? There are for 98% of borrowers using their va benefit is under five percent four seven five four eight seven five fha in a similar range most conventional borrowers in the five and a quarter five and a half so you can cherry pick and say there's a loan out there i mean i did a hard money loan a couple months ago at 12 percent does that mean interest rates are at 12 percent it, it absolutely doesn't so be careful you guys a lot of times when we're reading the comments look at the comments i i can tell your mindset jeb can tell your mindset just by the way you're phrasing or, or answering or asking a question, if you want rates to be higher and you want home prices to crash, you're gonna see that evidence everywhere. Every week we see five to seven comments or something saying, saying, I'm seeing a lot of price cuts in my area. And yet we have data for all of, all of California, data for the Phoenix market. Someone had mentioned Phoenix, I see a lot of price cuts. Is the market cooling? Are there more price cuts than there were? Yes are 80 to 85% of homes not having price cuts, 100%. So just be careful when you're looking at things that you don't look anecdotally at one or two situations, even if it's two homes in the same neighborhood that both come down in price, Watch a market over two or three months, see what happens with list to ask price. Look at the homes. Uh, Again, there's one here in Huntington Beach that came on the market and I looked, I'm like, well, that's a a little high price, but it's not bad. And you look at it, the reason why the guy wanted such a high price for his home, he'd done all sorts of custom stuff. It was God awful. You would rather have the plain vanilla house next door than this horrendously awful overdone, overwrought home. So a lot of the, the price cuts that we're seeing our homes that were overpriced are unique in some way that is not uh, desirable to most buyers or um, also unique in, in location. backs to a big street, near a firehouse, any number of things. But be careful, we are all biased. So when you think you know something or you think you see something, make sure you're not looking for confirmation of your own biases. Make sure you're not only looking uh, at sources that confirm your own biases and maybe actually seek out and look at the opposite uh, argument. We talked about Reventure Consulting. He's 100% wrong, 100% of the time, but it actually shows you the argument that the other side is taking. Look at it pick it apart. See if it makes sense. See if it doesn't. You may become a convert. You may subscribe and you may watch all of his videos going forward. But at least that way, you're not just succumbing to your own personal biases.
0: No, good stuff. Um, I can't find that chart, but I will find it and I'll put it up there. And if somebody has it, you can email it to me. But um, it wasn't in the Black Knight data, but essentially it shows that the majority of people out there have a lot of equity in their property and I will find it. So I'll make a note and and make sure that's on there for, uh, for next week so we can discuss it. Uh, let's see here. Um, uh, this is a good one. You can go on a tangent on this one, Josh. VA loans are predatory and take advantage of veterans who don't shop around. They are not to be trusted. So I won't even let you, I'll say what you're going to say and then you can dive deeper into it, but there is a lender out there that if you Google VA loans, is the top lender for that. Um, and they have a two word name. They are, uh, known for charging, overcharging, having overlays, just being, you know, very egregious in, and taking advantage of veterans. They are a for-profit company, um, that kind of looks as if they are there to help. So Josh, what would you recommend if, uh, veteran or anybody if for that matter was looking to to get a loan
1: a lot of veterans see that if you google a va loan you cannot find anything other than that company as the number one search result so if you feel the need to if you want to go ahead and call them you're going to talk to a kid in the call center it's not going to be a fun experience and just like jeb said high rates and fees um, overlays the biggest most egregious one is they'll only go to a 45 percent debt to income ratio which the va loan will let you go much higher than that but any and all of the the companies that service veterans um, navy federal credit union usaa all of them are very similar to aarp in that they are for-profit companies so they've picked a niche they cater to that niche um, and and want to tell you that they have your best interests at heart because they understand you as part of the military community if you have an affinity with one of these groups if you do your auto insurance with usaa and you want to talk to them absolutely nothing wrong with it talk to them but then talk to a local lender preferably talk to a broker because if we showed you the numbers the disparity between what veterans pay at at a direct lender versus a broker is is massive i think we talked about this a few weeks ago if you go and look at the optimal blue mortgage market index the va loan will have the highest interest rate in there despite the fact that it should have the lowest rate so there's a lot of lenders not just the big ones that we talked about pack their interest rates to make additional profit on those loans why i do not know but jay hit the nail on the head shop around definitely don't, don't go with the easy button first lender that pops up uh, in, in Google. Um, and I would say that with any online lender, I'm not going to tell you there are no good online lenders. In the last couple of years, I will say this and someone will come. well, I closed with such and such online lender and it was an amazing experience. Okay, did you shop around? Did you see what someone else could have got you? And let's not forget that that is not a purchase transaction. A purchase is 10 times more complex than a refinance. You can set up a refinance shop and teach kids with little to no experience the right questions to ask, to gather the documentation, hand it to someone that knows a little bit more, and build this assembly line. And when you, it's confirmation bias, essentially. If you make it out through that process and it went well, you're gonna go, oh, that was awesome. But you're not one of the five, six, seven out of 10 people who had a terrible experience or were told no uh, or had problems. So just make sure you shop with multiple lenders. And what I will say in the current market, all of the call centers have gotten very aggressive refinances are down 80% year over year. So the call centers are super aggressive in trying to do purchases, yet they're not set up to do purchases. They don't know how to do them, but they're going to sell you aggressively. I had a client earlier this week that he sends me numbers. He goes, hey, I talked to this guy online. I found him on Bankrate. He says he can save me $5,000 over your quote. We look at it and I go, Well, the $5,000 in savings is in every part of the loan estimate that he has no control over. We talked about when you shop, you want to look at box A because the lender has control of all the fees in box A. The $5,000 savings was all in escrow and title because he was quoting Refinance rates and fees. So, again, if you want to look at an online lender, um, if you want to respond to a mailer, by all means, do it. But just know what the business model is it's kill them all, let God sort them out. Do a bunch of marketing, hand it to some kids in a call center, and see what happens.
0: All right, there you go. Uh, Mr. 619USC, do you see Bakersfield having a boom due to its affordability? So, I think Bakersfield has probably seen its boom, um, a lot of it, but no, I mean, it's it's still one of the more affordable areas out there. So as long as home prices continue to stay where they are, um, you know, I think you'll see more and more people venturing out there just because it is one of the markets where you can still get a home for under $400,000, I believe, last time I checked. Uh, so you can still find property out there. For that reason, it's going to, People will still do it now. Boom! It depends on what you mean by that. I don't think it's ever going to be um, Orange County, but people will move out there. I mean, there's some recent programs that have come out um, that I'm going to touch on in in a video that comes out Friday uh, with regards to free down payment here in California. And Bakersfield is maybe one of the only markets where you might actually be able to pursue something using this program because of of the requirements. But you know, it. it, it I don't know, uh, it's a difficult question to answer just because you, you just don't know what the future holds with with regards to everything real estate. But what I will say is if you do at some point see price declines, Bakersfield gets hit first versus you know moving uh, coastal, uh, just because it is always going to be a less desirable area for the majority of people, even for some, those who love it.
1: We so. have some user-generated answers. All right. Bitcoin man says, why would someone wanna live in Bakersfield? More affordable. Yeah. Dan Cooper follows up, says he lives here. It's affordable for a reason, but work keeps me here, unfortunately. Um, You know, I I had a client that moved from the Bay Area down to Bakersfield. And for half of the cost of what they got in the Bay Area, they got a rad house. It was in Bakersfield. But again, remember Bakersfield, you're less than two hours into LA. Anything you want culture wise is there. Um, If you're into rodeo and country music, and barbecue bakersfield is no i like all for of those all, things i'm not really them. i
0: like all of them I'm not big on the rodeo but i mean hell i'd watch one but yeah. I, I love barbecue and i love what was the first thing you said country music uh, hey i like that too country, country so i can music. do all of that maybe so, bakersfield's calling my name man or did you say barstow bakersfield oh yeah maybe maybe that's my move i'm gonna tell my wife tonight <laughs>
1: Now, Bit- Bitcoin Man. Probably not going
0: to go over very well, guys. I don't
1: think it will go over well at all. Bitcoin Man follows up with go to Yucca Valley near Joshua Tree, cheap houses and lots to do. The problem is their prices have already spiked. And um, just Google it. Google that for ma- major reputable pieces of press. I believe the New Yorker did an article on on the Joshua Tree area in Yucca Valley. LA Times did it. There have a, a lot of, of a lot there of, now. A lot of issues because of the buying, building Airbnbs, um, all, all that fun it's stuff. The lack so of
0: infrastructure.
1: Everything, yeah. every, every good
0: has a bad. So just make sure you're doing your research. All right. Bitcoin man says what is wrong with buying a townhome? So town homes and you know t- townhomes nothing wrong with buying a townhome um, as long as you're okay with what comes along with them. So townhomes are going to be in associations. There's going to be a homeowner's association. They're going to have CCNRs. They're going to have rules and regulations. And you as a homeowner have to be okay with those. You've got to be okay with somebody telling you what you can and cannot do with, you know, with your property, Um, being fined for not following, uh, you know, rules. You also got to be okay having attached walls, you know, Depending on how the townhome set up, you might hear your neighbor next door. Your doors might be facing each other. There's a lot of things that you know could or could not be um, pros, if you will, and or cons, depending on how you look at it. So just got to know what you're getting into. I don't think there's anything wrong with buying a townhome. Um, as long as, again, you're comfortable with the payment, you understand everything that comes along with it. Josh, anything you want to add on on townhomes?
1: No, not that we haven't already. Melissa R uh, follows up. So she grew up in a townhome. Parents still own it. There's pros and cons, and that's it. It is what yeah. it is. You just and, go in with open eyes and know what they are.
0: And what I will say is, townhomes typically have lower association dues than those of condos, um, just because of of how they're set up and and what they cover. Uh, you know, from from the exterior or what have you. So, you know, just know again what what you're getting into, and and you know, whether or not it's the it's a it's a good fit for you because they're not for everyone.
1: Hey Jeb, um, yep. if you if you already posted this, uh, I don't know, but St. Rick Falls with the new California program isn't a realistic option for most middle class families. The requirements for the program eliminate the majority of the people it should be helping. You want to touch on it at no, all? Or, like or like
0: just... just video Friday um, comes out Friday. I dive in deep on this. I go over stipulations, go over requirements, go over. I give you examples in the video of of what your payment would be on some of these and and honestly how it doesn't make sense for the majority of people out there i mean it's a really catchy headline you know basically a free down payment but let's be honest uh you know those catchy headlines often um come with you know if if it's too good to be true it likely is uh well that program is very much that
1: the the so, the thing that sucks is the last verse says it, it eliminates the majority of people who should be helping it's it's set up for other parts of the country where you can reasonably buy a home for 200 or $225,000. Like in California, but it's not, the,
0: it's a California program is a problem. Uh,
1: I, it's, it's related to home ready and home ready does right. the same. No, thing. Understood. So the, right. the underlying home ready program, The government took it from 100% of area median income, which it was useful and it was useful for lower end entry level families and they said yeah we're going to take it down to 80% and you're like what what are we doing here like at 80% it's. It's rare anywhere, but in California it's impossible. So why CalHFA would, would say, Hey, we've got this great idea. We're going to give a 10% forgivable down payment or closing cost uh, loan, but tie it to a program that no one, no homes in California qualify for.
0: All right. Good stuff. I'm reading a question here. Um, good evening, fellows. Wife and I got pre-approved today from one lender. Jeb, I asked last time about getting that done with different sources. Can you have multiple pre-approval letters to shop with? Sure. You can have multiple pre-approval approval letters to shop with, but you don't necessarily need multiple pre-approval letters. You just need to have a conversation with multiple lenders to figure out who you want to go with, who's offering you you know, the best service, who's offering you you know, the best terms or maybe not even the best terms, but comparable terms, but provides a different level of service. Um, These are things, but yes, you should definitely quote unquote shop around, but just understand what that means. If you're looking for the guy with the lowest rate, then I think you're setting yourself up for failure. But if you're looking for somebody with a competitive rate that offers great service, returns your calls, answers all your questions, all of that good stuff then, then, then you're in the right place. Um, But with that, once you've determined, you know, you've had those initial conversations, you can go out looking for property without having to have multiple letters from each one of them. In fact, you know, you can move forward with, you know, you can say, Jeb, I'm pre-approved and my lender is Quicken, right? I think Quicken sucks, quite frankly. So we would use your pre-approval letter and, and, and get you out there going, uh, assuming you'd actually been pre-approved and not pre-qualified with that letter. But I would be having a conversation with you to say, hey, listen, you know, turn times here, you're likely not working with a professional. It might be a good idea to check another source and and figure that out as we get an offer accepted. So you're not doing it after the offer is accepted. But the idea is that it doesn't necessarily have to be done 100% prior to shopping for homes, but it really needs to be done by the time you are ready to to move forward with one of them um, and you're not doing it after your offers accepted. I'm not sure if any of that made sense. Josh, thoughts on this?
1: No, it's absolutely um, confusing and unnecessary to have multiple pre-approval letters. Um, the The letter itself is a formality that basically says that we have done our due diligence and done the research and know that we can get your loan closed. So, the important part is, um, you know, I I don't want to say that you need to pick a lender ahead of time, um, but the reality is, we do a lot of work through that process. So you want the strongest pre-approval letter. Um, Some of these lenders put out really weak, weaselly um, letters. Some of them won't update them throughout the process. You made an offer last week at 4.50 and now you're making one at 5.10 and they go, I sent you one last week. So you want someone that's gonna update it. You want someone that's gonna follow up with the listing agent. You want someone that has a good reputation and you want someone that's not in a call center. I don't know if I've, I've said that tonight, but I'll say that again, because a realtor who's a professional in their local market, when they want to call and talk to a lender, they don't want a kid in Cleveland. They want someone that is in their market and, and has a local reputation. And a, no, a. we have a guaranteed pre-approval letter that guarantees you $1,000. Does not, uh, if the deal doesn't close, that doesn't uh, motivate a seller or a realtor to go, oh, cool, they're offering $1,000 if they screw up my deal. Um, if you look, uh, that company made billions of dollars last year. I don't think $1,000 is much of a penalty for screwing up and, uh, and blowing up a transaction. So what you need to, to look at is shop for terms, Um, I can't issue you a pre-approval letter without actually pre-approving you. So I need that documentation. But again, there's nothing wrong with shopping around. And I'll tell anyone, if you shop with five people and you come to a conclusion that I am not your best option, then I didn't do my job. I either didn't communicate it to you correctly um, or something else came, came into play there. I've said a million times, reputable lenders should all be in a pretty narrow range in rates and fees, and that shouldn't be the deciding factor. You should work with the most professional person with the best reputation in the market, but that most importantly works well with you, communicates with you, explains things to you, keeps you in the loop.
0: Good stuff, um, Clear. we must not know what it's like to be a disabled veteran. Josh, we're getting hammered here in the uh, the chat. Um, I
1: do not know what it's like to be a disabled veteran, but we help five, six, seven, eight of them every year. So we've worked with a lot of them, we've helped them out. Um, just trying to, to go through, if anyone quoted you anywhere near 6.5% on a VA loan, um, or had you looking at 6.5% loans when you are VA eligible, it simply just needed to talk to someone else who could point you in the right direction
0: no and and zen not familiar with what it's like to be a disabled veteran but i do appreciate your service and uh and what you've done sorry about the disabled part um but you did mention earlier about lower credit scores the one nice thing about va is they, they you know don't really hit you uh for lower credit scores now Depending on what your credit score is, that could be an issue. But the nice thing about VA is that is something they they take into account, um, and and you know, still get a pretty pretty damn good rate when it when it comes to VA um, with lower credit scores. So, Josh, what are you seeing here? Um, no kidding. Do you have a list of names or suggestions on who to shop around with for usda loans so i don't have a list of names that i post up here but depending on where you're looking you know again the majority of the united states offers usda loans um you know because of of where it falls in i think it's like 99 of the us actually qualifies for usda there's just several pockets that don't have a lot of usda like here in orange county where we are but depending on where you're located you know, reach out again, there's a, there's a link in the chat or it's just at the the bottom of the screen. Now go there, enter your information and I'll connect you with an expert in your state that, that does USDA and is familiar with it, help guide you through that process. So that should be helpful on that front. Uh, Let's see. Let let me
1: throw one piece of information in on that. This isn't specific to USDA, but we're talking about VA loans. We're talking about USDA loans. We're talking about purchases versus refis. If you're talking to someone about doing a loan, ask them, how many purchase loans did you do in the last 12 months in the last calendar year how many va loans did you do how many usda loans did you do we're in a market where there are less than half of the loans available that there were last year or, or about half of what there was available last year so you have people who would have said i don't have time to figure out how to do a va loan last year i got 14 refis sitting on my desk this year will tell you oh i can get you a great deal on a va loan not that any of these things are rocket science or monstrously different than a normal loan, but if you've never done an FHA or a VA or a USDA or a purchase loan, you don't want them experimenting on you. You wouldn't go to a heart surgeon and say, This is the first one you've done. Look, well, cool. Let's give it a shot.
0: There's that one like progressive commercial that's, I think it's progressive. It's hilarious uh, about the doctor walking in. Anyway, I don't really, I forget how it goes. Otherwise, I'd say something about it. But anyhow, uh, let's see here. Where are we going? Uh, You know, I'm looking for some some questions here, people. Josh, anything you see you want to add on there? Will the Florida housing market ever cool off? Josh, what are your thoughts on Florida cooling off? It absolutely has to cool off. The last two years is unsustainable. So
1: cool off, yes. Um, Crash, probably not. Um, We're talking about it in the context of interest rates. Hey, in the fall, will rates come down? They probably will, but from what level? Same thing with with home prices. Home prices don't go up forever. We will see some form of correction at some point, either in the form of a long-term sideways trend or even a a decrease in in year-over-year values but the question becomes from what level? So look at your local market stats, the stats that Jeb talks about, how many homes are on the market? How many go into escrow? So what is that absorption rate? Is it less than two months? Is it four months? Is it eight months? So that you kind of know, and how is it trending over time? We're talking about the market is cooling, it has softened, but just from a ridiculous, where we have 10, 12 offers on every property to most of them are two, three, four uh, offers on every property. I still don't have, uh, I don't think I have a client who has said, hey, we went out, we found the house. We were the only one that wrote an offer and we got it. They're still in a competitive bidding situation on nice properties. Um, And even the ones that are not so nice, unless they're willing, the seller's willing to, unwilling to be patient and let some offers come in. um, You're going to have competition on most properties still in the current market.
0: Good stuff. There's a couple of uh, questions here that are good. Josh, I'm going to throw them to you because they're right up your alley. Uh, Union home lender told me that she cannot do a pre-approval without running my credit. Is this true with some lenders? So again, might want to distinguish pre-approval versus pre-qualification, but what are your thoughts on having to run credit?
1: Yeah. And remember, we did an entire episode, 30 minutes uh, of podcast on the difference between a pre-qualification versus a pre-approval. The reason why the credit report is important is not just you may say, hey, I have the free credit report score uh, here and it's a 722. I can price and I can give you that based off of that, but I can't run your file through the automated underwriting system. So um, we can do a manual underwrite on an FHA, on a VA and a USDA, but um, for conventional loans, it's gonna need to go through an automated underwriting system. And I cannot do that without a credit report. What I will say is do not get hung up on someone pulling your credit. You have a 45 day window to have as many mortgage credit reports as you pulled. If you wanted to call hundred lenders, have them all pull your credit in a two week window, or a 40 day window it counts as a single inquiry so There's very little cost in terms of credit score to that. For people with decent credit, it's a one to three point hit uh, in terms of credit score. So you're giving up very little, but you're getting a ton in terms of certainty. Without that credit report and running it through the automated system, I cannot give you certainty and I can't guarantee you the accuracy of the pricing that we're giving you. So uh, again, it sounds like you're worried about a hit to your credit score or having too many reports pulled or too many inquiries. If you're serious, you want a full pre-approval and they do need your credit report to do it
0: good stuff there um got a question from lon lee i uh, heard the jumbo loan that some banks keep on the balance keep on the balance has lower rates than conventional is that true so do some lenders offer better rates on jumbo loans than they do on those of conventional loans josh because maybe they're portfolio loans or something they service themselves
1: Yep, and over time this changes. Sometimes jumbo rates are higher, sometimes they're lower in the current market because they're not being sold to Fannie and Freddie. Um, Whether it's a portfolio bank like a local credit union or a local bank that's gonna hold it, or even a a bigger investor like Chase does a lot of jumbo loans. They buy a lot of jumbo loans in the secondary market. They have much more stringent guidelines, bigger down payments, higher credit scores, reserve requirements. So investors are paying more for those mortgage-backed securities than they are for Fannie Freddie FHA VA product right now. I shouldn't say that. Your FHA and VA, you're probably going to get a little better rate uh, than uh, a Jumbo, but the Jumbos are definitely in the current market. Um, Not 100% across the board, but 80, 90% of Jumbo loans are going to have a better rate than a Fannie Freddie loan.
0: No, good, good stuff. Um, Let's see. Got you know, got some comments in here about not being able to qualify in Orange County. Yeah, so the Orange County just reached a median home price of one million dollars for the first time ever, um, which is absurd by many, by you know, on many levels. But YouTube user says, "My wife and I make one hundred forty-seven thousand annually, so that's what twelve grand a month, just over twelve grand, no debt, and eighty thousand dollar down payment." Running numbers still seems like median home in OC is unaffordable. Yeah, so a million dollar home. You put eighty thousand dollars down. That's not even ten percent, and you're looking at you know, I mean, you've got you know at a forty five percent debt to income ratio of twelve grand. You're what maybe seven thousand dollars a month. So you know, hell, I don't know. Josh could run the numbers, but interest rates at in the mid fives, it's gonna be tough, tough to qualify for that property with taxes and mortgage insurance and everything that goes into it. But yeah, maybe maybe with uh, with interest rates staying higher, you get some more relief, more options in those lower price points under a million, and it gives you the opportunity if you want to be here in Orange County.
1: Seven fifty with ten percent down, you should be able to pull it off in terms of qualifying, um, but uh, it's it's not a guarantee. Uh, other debts come into play. That's, um, it's crazy. A lot of a lot of people in that price range have student loans you know they're making a good income but we have student loans we have income-based repayment issues so it's just important to to talk to someone that has a lot of options and is able to walk you through them um you know and, and to a degree interest rate does matter when you're at the margins they're pushed to the highest levels uh, a quarter percent three-eighths of percent in interest rate could make the difference between qualifying or not qualifying
0: nope good stuff um three putt is asking the same question you asked earlier. We answered it earlier in the show. So you'll have to go back and check that out. Sorry about that. Um, it's kind of like three putting, huh? Sucks. Um, anyway, uh, Josh, this, this question came up last week and I wasn't, um, entirely sure what a covered mortgage was. So what is a covered mortgage? Any idea what a covered mortgage is? Need a little more I context. said, if you were here, you could probably answer the question. I had no idea. Yeah. All right. Josh is going to look that up. He's we're going to do a little Google f- and see if we can figure it. But in the meantime, Jennifer is saying, "Please like and subscribe." So um, I'm asking you to do the same. There's 117 likes at the moment. 229 of you. So that means a lot of you are slacking or just don't really care for us and just uh you know you're holding out you're fighting it i had i had more likes last week by myself josh than with you Dude, this is unbelievable you're more I'm you're more sure. likable you're not as yeah, beautiful not sure but you're that.
1: more but you're more likable
0: i'm so, not sure on. many people said they were just showing up for for to see josh and you weren't here so they were leaving jeff um, you're
1: you're gonna you're gonna like this so uh, we talk about the dangers of google So someone asked a fairly simple question, right? What is a covered mortgage? So here I am. uh, First answer is covered loan means a consumer loan in which the original principal balance of the loan does not exceed the most current conforming loan limit for a single family first mortgage established by Fannie Mae. That's the first one. Number two, covered mortgage. Covered mortgage loan means any mortgage that is covered by a PMI policy. Okay, Ooh. those are two two very different answers. Yep. Now, we get to consumerfinance.gov from the CFPB. A covered loan means a closed-end mortgage. Uh, and then it actually, I have to dig in deeper than a closed-end mortgage loan uh, with a dwelling and not an open-ended line. It was a a closed-end mortgage loan or an open-end line of credit that is not an excluded transaction under... Penal code 1003.3-C. So I'm not sure. It still so, so, doesn't seem very helpful. So, so what we've
0: determined is that <laughs> we have no idea what what that question entails. So we need more specifics on on where does that relate? Where are you hearing the, the term covered mortgage? And then we can give you um, some more info on it. So Josh... Whoa! I like. I took in a deep breath. I think I almost choked there. Uh, Mr. ABS, uh, you you talked a little bit about arms earlier in the show, and again, I probably wasn't paying attention because I don't remember what you said. Uh, but can you explain a ten-five smart arm uh, that they, the lender gave them as an option? So maybe again, just recap. You know the the first number in there. What the second number in that ten-five means. And when it may be a good idea to con- to consider an arm because these are becoming more and more of a common question at the moment. So um, most likely
1: the smart arm portion is some branding from that lender. Trying to tell you that it's a smart decision to qualify for a little bit more home, um, and it's most likely a 10-6, not a 10-5. Um, the numbers most commonly seen at, after the slash there is either a one or a six. A 10-1 would adjust annually or once a year. The 10-6 is twice a year, every six months. It could just be 10-2, but instead we made it 10-6. 10-1 is once a year. 10-6 is every six months. So that loan is going to be fixed for 10 years. I don't know if you were around earlier in the show. We are talking about that, but the average tenure of homeownership right now is about 10 and a half, 11 years. So for most people, you would be fixed for the entire 10 years, have one adjustment before moving and selling the home. But most people will also refinance one to two times during that timeline as well. So when we're in a period of what I believe to be temporarily inflated interest rates, when I say temporarily, we don't mean a month or two or three or six or even 12 months, could be a year or two of higher rates. You're still getting 10 years of insurance of fixing your payment while you are looking for an opportunity for lower interest rates to refinance to a 30-year fixed or a lower interest rate or maybe a new 10-6 arm at a lower interest rate um, or thinking you may just be moving on and that's all the fixed period that you need. So it can be a good option. You want to compare it and you want to see how much the discount is relative to the 30-year fixed that you're looking at. There you go. Good
0: stuff. Um, so I got, a, I got something to ask. So as a YouTube creator, you wouldn't—you'd be surprised. Or you probably wouldn't be surprised with the number of emails I get on a daily basis to promote some garbage product in my videos on a continuous basis. And all I'm really asking for is a drink sponsor. That's all I want. So, Bang didn't take me up. Now I'm Alice asking for Celsius. Anybody know Celsius? I will promote your product. I will drink it here on the show, and I will promote it. If you have a great product that I use, I will promote it. But I'm not promoting some garbage out there. <laughs> I swear I should do we should do a show and bring up some of these products that people want me to promote. I'm like, do you have any idea what my channel's about? I don't think anybody's going to to click from my video on your product. But if you're a drink product, protein bars, I'll eat those on the show. Those are things I use. Just, just bars that no, out there, no, no shakes, just bars. I can't, I don't think I'd do a shake at five o'clock in the afternoon. Maybe, you know, you're the, the only life.
1: person in the world that drinks an energy drink at five o'clock in the
0: afternoon. I just drank that. I could fall asleep right now. Uh, $5 super chat from Ethan. If I move out of my primary residence and start renting it out, does it then become like an investment property that I depreciate for my tax returns? Yes. Um, if it is, if, if you note it on your tax returns as an investment property, you can depreciate it. Now, you can't do it until that happens, uh, but something to keep in mind, once it goes from a primary to an investment property, you start the the process of, of potentially losing that capital gains exemption if you keep it for five years or more as an investment property. So you've got to live in it two of the last five years to avoid capital gains. Once you turn it to an investment property, after what, three, I guess after three years in that, as an investment property, you've essentially lost, um, you know, three years in one day, you've essentially lost some of that capital gain. So just some things to keep in mind when turning it from one to the other. But uh, yes, you can do that. Um, If any
1: of you have happened to notice that I keep itching my damn nose, the whole damn show, I got cute and decided I was going to let the mustache go and not trim it while I was trimming the beard. And today I have hit the point where uh, mustache hairs are going up my nose and it's driving me out of my mind.
0: Well, there you go. So we're really getting into some different things tonight. Josh's nose hairs, you know, (laughs) I'm talking about, you know, we've got a lot of things going on guys. Um, Let's see. I'm going to ask again, ask at the beginning of the show, for those of you who watch my channel, those of you who listen to the podcast, either, or what are some topics you want to hear? That's what I'd like to see you put in the, in the, the description there, because those things are helpful. I hate talking about the same things over and over again, but what you guys have to realize is a good majority, 70% of the people that watch my videos don't subscribe to my channel and have never seen me before. So a lot of the things you hear over and over again are because new people are watching the videos and have never never heard me say that. But at the same time, it's also because once you've talked about real estate two times, five times a week, which I did for a long period of time for two years, you kind of run out of things to talk about. Um, and I want to continue to stay relevant and keep you guys in the loop. So that would be helpful if you could help me out with any of that stuff. But if you can't, then well, I'll start promoting garbage products. And, and, uh, and then you guys will get fed up and, and listen to me. So there was a question here a moment ago, Josh, that I wanted to put up here, and it had to do with credit. I don't know if you saw it here it is Nucking Futs says that was uh so that was my next question is it 45 days i've heard two weeks i've also heard 30 days for pulling credit reports should a good lender know the answer to this question because several haven't i josh I love, what are they I talking the about last
1: part jeb yeah. we should make a list of of gotcha questions to ask a lender to find out how well they know their job. That now I'm not saying something so difficult that you have to be like a guideline geek genius to answer it. But but simple ones. Um, the CFPB themselves, like I don't I don't ever take ask anyone to take my word for it. The CFPB, this is important enough that they have a webpage. So once Jeb jumps onto the next question, I'll find it and I'm going to put the link over here in in the comments. But the CFPB has a, an article on it that says 45 days. Now I already know. The way your brain works just by the way you're asking these questions i would never go the whole 45 days i mean unless it's like 40 days and i find a new lender that has some amazing product and i want to talk to them, keep it within a two to three week time frame um you you really should be doing your shopping in a narrow time i had a client the other day send over a loan estimate from someone from like april 2nd and said hey can you match this rate and i go no and neither can they well why why would you what do you mean well it's from a month ago and rates are worse than they were uh, a month ago, so you, you want to be talking to people in a fairly narrow time frame. So, uh, me, I'm conservative. I'd probably keep it in a two to three week time frame. But I'll, I'll get the CFPB link so you can see they say you have 45 days to pull as many mortgage credit reports as you want.
0: There you go. Um, Tiffany says, "Where do you think uh, housing market is going into 2023 in relation to home value increase or decrease?" Also your best guess on interest rates. So last year, November, December, I said, I think home prices this time next year will be higher than they are now. I still believe that to be true. Um, And with that said, a lot of people that I respect um, in, in real estate and mentors or whatever believe that, again, home prices are going to slow. You're still going to see appreciation this year, but you're also gonna see appreciation in 2023. I don't know what that looks like. Um, I don't, I don't not believe it. Um, I, I think again, there's regardless of what you believe, supply is still low um fundamentally, and, and demand there is still demand there. So I think home prices move sideways to slightly up, maybe slightly down in some markets. Do I see a case for appreciation next year? Absolutely. Do I see a, a case for maybe slight? Uh, the depreciation in some markets, I see that as well. Um, I just see a little bit more balance coming in, but I still think it's it remains a seller's market, which to me says that prices probably don't go very far in either direction. And what do I mean by that? I would say three, 4% either way. Josh, what are your thoughts on that question?
1: I, I wouldn't argue with that. And there are people, um, Economists, a few that we actually trust and know and believe that they actually have their, their finger on the pulse. And they would tell you something similarly that after the last two monster years, we need a few years of three, four, or 5% uh, appreciation. You know, we've talked about Logan Modashami on here before, and we have already exceeded. So when you look at that that graph of millennials mm-hmm. coming to peak home buying age, he ran that through 2024, and we've already exceeded the aggregate appreciation that he expected yeah, for he, that. He was time expecting period.
0: what, 24 Percent or something?
1: Yeah. yeah, yep. So we've already exceeded that. So it would be reasonable to expect that we would not see um, that type of outsized appreciation going forward. Um, but I'll believe it when I see it. You know, Jeb, you had said last year when people started asking us in the fall, you said, "Ah, I think five to seven percent." And I said, I hope you're right, but I think it's a little bit of wishful thinking. Yep. And and who knew, none of us, none of us, none of you watching, none of us expected the crazy wild ride we've had the first five months of the year with the level of appreciation we've had and the level of increase in interest rates. So um, been a very difficult to to predict a project year, and we're gonna see how that plays out through, through the rest of the year. Again, it was very interesting knowing that we had the CPI figures coming out today, seeing that the markets were expecting a, a soft figure. It seems like the markets, whoever you you call that, um, they're wanting us to be at peak inflation. I don't know that we're there. I don't know that we have much more to go. But at some point, when when rates keep going up, it's very easy for all of us. And I'm not saying just you guys wanting to borrow to buy. Me making my living giving people loans, you get to a point where you start to go, well, this is just going to keep going forever. Like for at the first part, you're like, well, this kind of exceeds what's reasonable. And we're looking at the technical charts saying, we have support here, it should stop here. And it burns through that. We have support here, it should stop here. When you get to the point where you're saying, that's just going to keep getting worse is about when we've seen the end it's always darkest before the dawn and that's kind of where i feel like the markets are wanting it to be it doesn't mean that they're right but kind of the sentiment is that we, we are nearing the end of of the interest rate hikes but i think we still have some more room to go
0: there you go um let's see here there was something i was going to touch on and now i completely forgot where my oh Ariel says, can I talk about the forgivable equity builder loan? I have a video coming out on Friday on my channel. It'll be posted at noon on Friday where I go into detail about this program. So watch that video. I talk about pros and cons of it. Um, I explain all of the things you need to know if you are wondering about it, considering it, all of that good stuff. So hopefully that's helpful. Uh, there was another question up here. Claudia says, Is it a good time to sell a house in Orange County to buy a bigger house? So here's what I would say, whether it's Orange County or any other market. The answer is, I mean, the easy answer is, can you find a property that you want to actually buy that's on the market, right? I mean, I think that's first and foremost. So is there something out there that you like um, or or similar to what you're looking for in the market that's available? Is it common that it comes up? That sort of thing. Uh, Because what we've seen over the last six months to a year has been very difficult to sell and buy because it's been really really good on one side of selling and difficult on the other side buying because there hasn't been any inventory you're competing against multiple offers having to go way above the asking price that you're going to see less of that uh going forward in my opinion more a little bit more inventory to choose from a little less buyer demand might be a little bit you have to be less aggressive on some of your offers but that doesn't mean that's going to go away entirely depending on the pocket that you're looking to purchase in right here in Huntington Beach we have some pockets that people want to be in my community for example it's a desirable community people want to be there so i can tell you if one of a couple floor plans came up you better get ready to be aggressive because it is going to be a fight to get those but if you're not looking for that probably a little easier to To be done so with that being said you're going to see less people willing to deal with contingencies in this market on on the selling side so we've come out of a market where it's been you know inventory has been tight so buyers have been willing to work with sellers on contingencies on finding a replacement property as inventory picks up buyers have more options buyers are going to be less willing to deal with that why because interest rates are going up the fear of, of of locking it, not being able to lock in a loan because they don't know when the seller is going to be able to find a replacement property. All of that's going to, to play into it. So what I would say is the answer, the easy answer is yes to your question, but make sure you're working with a pro. Somebody understands the market, understands what you want to be, can guide you on both sides because that's ultimately what it comes down to. And if you need one, I'm standing right here. Um, no, but in all reality, happy to have that conversation. So, Hopefully that is helpful for you, Josh. Getting close to the end here. It has been. Uh, <laughs> it's you know, uh, Willing came in on his first day. He announced Doctor Ben Carson was alive. Um, and for any of you who long-term watchers, longtime watchers, you understand what happened there. But I, bu- I
1: buried the good doctor, and Willing uh, had to be among the the many in the crowd to correct me.
0: Yeah, but anyhow. Um, you know, we've been on two hours, uh, you know, appreciate you guys being here. If you haven't done so already hit the like button, feel free to subscribe to the channel. we do this every Wednesday for two hours. Also post a podcast. Um, you can find it on Spotify, Apple, any of your, you know, podcast platforms. Uh, we go Tuesday mornings. It releases early in the morning, and then we release this entire live. Uh, we put it in audio format and release it on Friday. So you can listen to the, this entire show on two times speed, get it done in an hour um, and get all the goodness over again if you're interested in that. But we do appreciate you being here. Josh, anything you want to add before we exit, my friend?
1: No, um, other than just continue to do your research, um, make yourself the expert, find out who you trust to actually bring you facts, figures, support for what they're saying. Um, it's definitely not the market that it was two years ago where it was like, Hey, jump in with both feet, do whatever it takes to get in. Um, you want to be an educated home buyer, make good decisions and, and help yourself build wealth over the long haul versus making a decision that you regret.
0: No, good stuff. So again, we appreciate you. We appreciate the support, appreciate the, uh, the good the bad everything that comes with it so uh, we will see you again next Wednesday if there's something you want us to cover leave it in the chat below until then adios thanks for listening to the educated homebuyer want to connect with us or to a local expert in your area please reach out at theeducatedhomebuyercom expert if you found any value today please be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform In addition, we ask that you share it with your friends and subscribe to us on YouTube. And make sure to follow us on social media.
1: Thanks again for listening.